Welcome to the era where Brad Wrencher, CEO of Bamboo HR, asked the question, does putting employees first really lead to better business outcomes? We think we know the answer, but let's dig in and find out. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the era where we really go deep on the, the fundamental hypothesis that your experience that you're giving to your employees is fundamentally tied to the business success of your organization. And if you want to drive better business outcomes, rather than trying to focus on all the outcomes and the results, focus first on that experience that your employees are having with you as a brand in their day-to-day -day work. We are so excited to continue the conversation around employee experience with Ashik Ahmed, who is the CEO and CTO and co-founder of Deputy. Deputy is a, a global and leading workforce management solution. They're also um, a Bamboo customer and one of our most valued partners. So I'm excited that we get to make this connection here on the, on the podcast. But you think about Deputy and they're serving over 40,000 customers, I believe, Ashik, and you'll have to tell me if I, if I get that wrong and correct me. Their headquarters is in beautiful Sydney, Australia. And you, we're going to get into the background, but if you look at the why behind this, it was really, Ashik built, built this platform with his co-founder, um, ultimately from necessity, as, as they were running a small business. And, um, and this necessity ultimately bloomed into what is one of the, the fastest growing and leading um, HR tech and workforce management solutions on the, on the planet. And the thing that I love about um, Ashik's perspective that I think we'll get into is he is a technologist, a trained technologist who also likes people. Yes, they exist. And, um, and with his team, he's built an award-winning culture and is powering wonderful employee experiences all over the world. So Ashik, thank you for being here and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you for having you, Brad. You just painted me as a unicorn, a technologist who loves people. <laughs> I love that, but no. <laughs> I, hey, it's important to know that these exist out on out in the world. So let's actually start there on you know on what your journey's been like. You know that your you know your experiences that led up to founding Deputy, and then some of those those inflection moments that you've had in your own leadership journey. So let's like why Deputy? How did this whole thing happen? And kind of. You know, was it all planned? There was a vision from the beginning or was this a, a, a progressive disclosure um, situation? I like to believe, and this is something that Jeff Bezos always says, that you don't choose your passion. Your passion chooses you. I was born in a country called Bangladesh. I came to Australia at the age of uh, uh, 16. I, I did not know anything about entrepreneurship or other things. I don't think in my mother tongue, there's actually a dry, direct translation of the word entrepreneur, okay? So, <laughs> so that wasn't there. And even until I came to Australia, I don't think I even saw a computer, Brad. So I, I, I was definitely not born destined or anything like that, I think, like, you know, uh, uh, for doing what I'm doing. As it happened, I, uh, I was an hourly paid shift worker myself. Uh, when I came to Australia as a migrant into, um, in the Western world, I was actually the first one to find a job in my whole family as a 16-year-old. Um, as, an, as a shift worker, I had no idea still that I would be the, uh, I'll be founding a platform then or knew anything about SaaS or tech for that matter. I then started working uh, for my co-founder as an employee where he was having a lot of challenges in scaling his small business. And he was in probably one of the toughest business condition anyone can be in, which is actually in the world of aviation. Talk about any business. This is probably the most complex business. It's 
uh, it's 24 hours. It's highly compliant, okay? I mean, you don't get to sleep anything, okay? I mean, every, everyone is to be trained and qualified, fatigue management, you name it. Scheduling was the biggest challenge it can be um, in there. And, and finally, it had to be, it was a very unionized, it's a complex environment, as a unionized environment where he was operating and he was doing everything manually. Like I, uh, I used to, uh, I, I, I saw this in my eyes, okay? If somebody called in sick, the world will just turn upside down. My co-founder, Steve Shelley, would only have, or any of his managers would only have three options when somebody calls in sick back then. You, if it's a position you can let go unfulfilled, okay? Like, you know, hey, you've got, if you walked into any airport, there's about three or four checking desks where they're checking you in. One of them has called in sick. Okay, the other two will do the job. All right, it's extra work for them. If it's a role that you can't let go, say some the the uh, the person who pushes the airplane back, the pushback tractor driver, that's a very highly skilled role. Okay, if you ever had to reverse a trailer, you would know what I mean. Okay, in terms of how hard that job is, and especially we are pushing back something that is about uh, 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 two hundred ton. Uh, so if it's not that, then what do you do? Okay, I, as I as working for Steve, that's one of the first problems I actually uh, 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 solve for him in terms of how you're able to if somebody calls in sick, just tap on the person shift and go find a replacement, find who is qualified, find who's not going to be fatigued, find who is actually not doing another double shift over there and be able to cover that. Uh, that's just one of 100 different things we're solving. And, and like the result of it was um, it took uh, that business to grow from two people to 200 people, about 10 years it took. When I joined and put a whole lot of automation into the business, um, we were able to scale from 200 people to 1,400 people in the space of three years. This is, by the way, 2002, 2003. This is well before the world of SaaS, okay? Uh, that solution was almost a year P for an aviation industry uh, business, but uh, we thought about, hey, I mean, for all the things it did, the one thing it did do is really empower people, okay? Be it the employees or the managers or the business owner for that matter. It was almost a second in charge to the business owner, Steve. Um, and we, I'm like, you know what? Validation in life comes from enriching other people's life. I was able to enrich his life and everybody in that business. What if we could do that for everybody else, okay? Actually, in two weeks time, it will be our 14th birthday. Wow, congratulations. So you guys are, uh, you guys are another walking example of a 14 year overnight success story. <laughs> That's right, right. Uh, um, but no, there's a long way to go. Long, long way to go. Okay, there's two billion shift workers. Uh, small businesses uh, have an average life expectancy of three to five years. Many, very few businesses actually become get to become the success that uh, Steve was himself in his past business. You know, our mission in life is to simplify shift work and make it really, really easy for the employer of shift workers and the shift workers in terms of how easily. Can they get their shifts and be scheduled for the shift, tracking their time and ensuring they're paid correctly for it? We're not the HR software. That's where you are, Brad. And you know we are, as you said, we are Bamboo HR customer ourselves for last uh, um, um, seven years. Uh, I use Bamboo HR every single day, and that's why our partnership works because you are the best at what you do. We are the best and want to be the best at what we do. And this is the partnership that makes our customers uh, thrive as well. Thank you. And thank you for that. Thank you for the kind words, but also just thank you for walking us through that um, your journey, because I'm just always inspired by 
the way business begins and the thought and the idea, and then ultimately what becomes the harnessed mission and values of a company. So let's talk a little bit about like guiding principles as, as you think about, as you, would, as you talk inside a deputy, but also advise many other businesses, what are the guiding principles that come to culture? And then how does that interact with mission, vision, values? How do you get this all to work to, together? There are actually two kinds of companies in the world, okay? There are companies who thinks company outward, and there are companies who thinks customer inward. Neither is right or wrong. It's totally up to the, the CEO or the board or the founder or the entrepreneur kind of to decide who you want to be. Do you want to think company uh, uh, outward or customer inward in here? Having said that, companies, and I tell this all the time, companies are people-powered machines. It, no matter which company you look at, okay, everything changes. Everything changes all the time. Technology changes, macro environment changes. Talk about macro environments, we're in one at the moment, <laughs> okay? But the thing that is constant over here is the people you have. I mean, the people will change as well, but you have your people in there. And, you know, a founder starts the business. They hire, uh, um, you know, their first employee up to their 10 employees. And then they realize, oh, my God, I can't just be doing what I'm doing. I need to get a manager involved. Then they get a manager hired. Probably it's a promotion of the first employees they had hired that becomes a manager. Okay. And then those managers hire other managers in there. Okay. And soon enough, you've got the Dunbar's number and thing and all sorts of like, I mean, we can spend a whole day about talking about all the HR philosophies and practice and things and stuff like that in, 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 in there. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, you know, mission, vision, values, uh, OKRs, you name it, all these things exist. They're just tactics and framework. But what do you have to understand? What do you have to understand? And I keep saying this, is that companies are people-powered machines. And, you know, you ask everybody, uh, you know, everybody wants to have more revenue. Everybody has to, wants to uh, grow more. Where does the revenue come from? Revenue comes from your customers, okay? And especially if you're in the world of retail or hospitality uh, or healthcare, you know, sectors that we are very big in, along with, uh, along with Bamboo, uh, HR as well. Like, you know, I mean, most of the money over actually comes from repeat customers, okay? It's not about just a one-time customer, it's the repeat customer. And so what I actually tell, the, uh, tell most, uh, most of our customers as well, um, or people, folks I talk to, is that, for somebody to be a repeat customer, three things have to go right. Number one, your product had to be great. Number two, the environment, okay, be it a restaurant or retail shop, the environment. And the third thing is the people experience. The staff they were engaging with, that has to be great, okay? Matter of fact, if any of them are bad, a customer will not think about coming back twice. Yeah. Okay, they will question that. Do I want to go back to that restaurant with my friend? Do I want to go back to that place to buy something again? Okay, or somebody was rude to me, um, or, or so forth. So, what I actually keep telling uh, our customers actually is that the number one driver for your customer engagement is actually your people engagement. If your people are not engaged, your customer are not going to engage. Now, you can choose whatever framework that you need to use to drive that engagement higher. Be it the mission, vision, values, okay, be it OKRs, okay. It's, it's totally, I mean, I don't think there's a silver bullet that someone can apply that will just 
um, you know, solve everyone's problem and different companies in different journey, depending on their nature, needs to apply different things in there. But if you don't take care of the people, if you don't have this in your mind that I need to keep my people engaged, you're not going to get your customer engaged, you're not going to have the revenue, and then you're probably going to die. And Ashik, where do people get this wrong? Because what you're saying is like, that just sounds like just big old giant truth bombs, right? Like, yes, of course, yes. And and I don't think anyone's going to argue with you. So where do people get it wrong? I think people get it wrong because, and I actually uh, wrote this as a LinkedIn post a couple of weeks ago, is that people get it wrong because they they lost in their mind, why did they start the business in the first place, number one? And number two, they also lost it. Why did they give a job to someone um, in the first place? And I, I mean, I was actually reflecting on this myself, Brad, the, a couple of days ago. Um, when I arrived in Australia many, many years ago, um, you know, I mean, I was the first person to get a job um, in my family. That job wasn't just a job for me. It was a, it was a lifeline. It was hope. It was dream. And um, many people actually don't pay attention to what it means to actually have a job in there and how to give purpose to the people you have hired. If you can do that, okay, if you can do that, and as I said, mission, vision, values, or cares, these are all frameworks over here. But if you don't appreciate, if you don't have that respect in your heart about what it means to give somebody a job, and if the person who is getting the job, they don't have that respect in their heart about why they got that job, None of these frameworks is going to do anything at all for you. Be grounded, be humbled as a leader about who you are and be authentic. Then everyone will see it. Everyone will see it. And if you just have that in you, everything else will work, okay? But trying to think like, oh, I'm just going to pick this up from this book and go and apply that. Nothing, none of these things. And whatever you do... Even if it seems like it's working, it's just going to be a, a Band-Aid, okay? And truth about Band-Aid, Band-Aids fall off, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Ashik, those are some hard-won lessons that you just taught. And I think about that, like, the, I mean, I felt just the power and the, the emotion behind, hey, when I got that first job when I was 16 in Australia, what it meant to you and your family, like... The fact that the you know a sh uh, you know shift work and working in an in an hourly job to where that was the lifeline that you needed and your family needed at an important time and having respect for that no matter the role I think the the humility the authenticity that we need to have as business owners leaders and um, and managers as we think about that people experience that they're having, I talk about it versus playbooks versus toolkits. A lot of times we try to say, well, look, I talked to a chic deputy. This is what he's doing. Let's do the same thing. That's like copying a playbook. But I, I, I like the approach of a toolkit more to where it's like in my toolbox, I have lots of things that I've learned or read or I've, I, I've, I picked up from you know, others who are in similar situations. And I can choose to take that tool out and use it but it's used in context of my business or my situation. And, and I think that's what you're talking about. Don't get caught up in the frameworks. Get caught, use tools, but the tools have to be used to drive authenticity and humility and appreciation for who's there helping you. 
Um, that's a really powerful message to leaders. No, absolutely. Look, I mean, all the use of toolkits and frameworks uh, in here, uh, or, or like, you know, copying someone. Um, I mean, I, I, I learned this as a, a bit of religious wisdom, actually, about how to make a bad decision, okay? Nobody knows what's a good decision, okay? <laughs> Only time will tell whether, whether it's a good decision or not. But a bad decision actually has one, sorry, one of these three traits, maybe all of them. Number one is conformity, okay? You just keep doing what you're doing and don't change. Number two, okay, is monkey see, monkey do. Oh, that's what that company was doing. We'll just do that as well, okay? Um, and number three is doing... We see a lot of that right oh, now. Oh, man, everybody's doing a lot of that. And the number three is actually, uh, you know, making a decision where you're actually, you know, making the decision to please somebody. Or oh, if I did this, the CEO would be happy. If I did this, the CPO would be happy or something like that. So, I mean, I would really, like, you know, ask people who are struggling with when it comes to uh, keeping your people engaged or looking ways to engage your people is to dig deep and ask why, 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 okay? Why me? Why us? Why the job? Why did you join this company? Okay, go back to these roots and you will be able to find that answer, okay? And then choose one of those tools or frameworks in how you operationalize it and you keep investing in it. I mean, culture in a company uh, we're both in HR tech, and this is a big topic. And that's actually quite an ambiguous thing, what, what culture actually means for different people. Yeah. But whatever you want to call it, it's like a plant, okay? Water it. If you water it, it will grow. If you don't water it, it ain't going to grow, okay? It's not going to flourish in here. So, it, and, and that, that comes from being authentic yourself and having that care. And Ashik, I want to pick something that I think that you just talked about, and I, and it was an unlock for me, because oftentimes people say, I just can't get my team engaged. It's it's a generational thing, or it's a, whatever the reason, but they're not engaging their people the way that they want. I think you just gave a recipe for how best to do that, and I just want to make sure we pull that out. And that recipe was to ask good questions around the why, getting back to the core of why this company? Why this job? Um, and getting in and understanding that and, and rebuilding that as the foundation for that experience there ongoing. Is that a fair characterization of, of your learnings? Yeah, and absolutely. 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 Life begins with gratitude. Okay. I mean, I, 14 years on, I mean, I always ask, why did I start this company? Okay. And that actually motivates me whenever, whenever I talk to somebody who has been in the company for many, many years. Okay. And, you know, they talk about, oh, after this many years, they're going to change you up and think, why did you join? Like bringing back that. And this this is extremely powerful. And it can, it's something that is better done in a one-on-one level, okay, in a group level. It, it, it can work for different different people in different ways. I can tell you that it doesn't work in a Zoom because, you know, um, but yeah, if you can build that on a, uh, on a one-on-one level, it's super powerful for you and for the person on the other side. So how do you, I mean, cause I mean, deputy is not a small business anymore. Like, I mean, you guys have, I, I believe hundreds of employees. So how do you, how do you ask that why that's done individually at a company that's got hundreds of employees? Like how, how do you, how do you do that? Or it can't just be you. You got to make sure your managers are doing this. How are you managing that part of your growth? Now, look, I mean, it, it's definitely a challenging thing. And it's also a challenging thing being, in the world of Zoom, okay, or Google Hangout, however you want to say it, this this super this actually is hard to do on the Zoom, okay, especially in a group session, okay. 
where like you know, there's about eight, everyone about 20 different boxes in a screen only only when one person talks other people can't talk energy can very much dissipate um, in there something that i have found uh, like and i mean red being vulnerable and honest we struggled at the beginning of covid we as a company even i as a leader myself i really struggled at the beginning of the covid but as then lockdown started lifting and thing and we could be with people together again realize that how much better we can build trust and engagement with each other okay it's not employees i don't i don't see employees as employees myself i see them like in a, every company every company is a community to some degree okay and it, all of us are there, are a community member um in there i mean I, I fundamentally believe that people don't come to work for work people come to work to be part of a community a community that is a purpose a community where you feel have that belonging in there and that belonging doesn't happen over zoom okay that much in there okay so as much as uh, i mean i have actually heavily invested in myself to travel as soon as like you could travel after covid travel everywhere i can where our employees are going and meeting them face to face spending that one-on-one time and um from what i hear it has energized them and i can tell you that it has given me so much energy i cannot wait to get out of bed every morning and dive to what i'm doing in there so my my recommendation we're looking to try to try to invest in don't 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 sit in the comfy of your uh study room or work office at home ironically we're both there right now but i will be going to the office after this, but I'll tell you try doing that in 101 then you'll find the recipe of how to do this one to many yeah. and just just why because you brought it up and i'm sure people are going to be like well brad ask him about what is the what are the work modes for you right now are you back in person in office are you home are you a mix of that across your different um, offices and geographies? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a bit of a hybrid at, um, um, at Deputy. Uh, what we highly recommend is that the squads or the team you're part of at least once or twice a week get together. Okay, get together either for doing the work or doing the meetings or building trust. By the way, employee engagement is the biggest topic in any HR software, any HR tech. Let me get this right. You're not going to have engagement if you don't have trust. You may have trust, but not engagement. But if you don't have the trust, you'll never uh, have the engagement. And trust is not built. I mean, that's that's that can be a whole postcard on its own in terms of like you know, talking about trust in there. But it's, it's, it's really uh, hard to build, maintain, nurture trust in, in, the, in the whole, uh, whole remote world. Well, probably you can, but you have to invest a lot. In there, a lot of that resonates with me. And as you think about your own your your own hiring philosophy from what you learned from COVID, you know, in terms of proximity to an office where people can come together. Because what I hear a lot of times right now, Ashik, is people are like, "Yeah, yeah, we'd love to get together once or twice per week, but like our our team is spread out all over the world, or all over a state or a country, like." How have you guys managed your own talent philosophy through COVID to continue to enable squads like this to get together? Look, but I, we're, kind of, we're still figuring this out ourselves. Okay, I don't think there is, uh, you know, uh, a, we have a successful formula in here. I mean, I can tell you that uh, we made a very unpopular decision by the board, but it turned out to be the best decision. Is you know, as the whole world was going into this recession about April, May. 
Uh, I was in a board meeting saying that, hey, we want to get an office. And my board is like, are you joking? Like, you know, everybody's yeah. cutting costs yeah. and you want to get a, yeah. you want to yeah. get an office. Yeah. And me and my CFO, we are like, nah, look, I mean, we fundamentally believe that, you know, this will be um, a great enabler for people's, um, uh, you know, engagement, the trust, the productivity. And we actually, you know, did get that office, even though people here in Sydney, we also have an office in San Francisco. And even the people who weren't, um, um, you know, in Australia, we're quite uh, a lot of people are in Sydney, but there's a lot of people we have in Brisbane, in Adelaide, in Melbourne, in different parts uh, uh, of the country. Um, and as soon as we opened the office, we actually did a hackathon, okay? And not just engineering product, but everything. And we actually flew the people over. And and the, the level of trust, engagement, and validation it drove was electrifying, okay? And, and every day as people are coming back to the office uh, in there, I mean... Uh, we actually only got the office, which is half the size of what our actually employee size is uh, in here. But it's still, it's getting really, really good, good usage. And um, it, if anything, it's just driving. It just gives you that boost of moral and purpose for people by, by, um, by people coming into the office. So I would actually recommend that, um, you know, even though everyone is remote, I'm pretty sure every business, if you look at it, you have some pockets of density where possible. Get those people together. Doesn't matter whether they're in one department or different departments or not. Get those people together. Um, we're human. We're designed to be social. We seek connection from each other. Why wouldn't you do that? Okay. And if you, if you're if you're worried about cost, trust me, don't be penny wise and pound foolish. It's a rounding error. That's a that that's a challenge to uh, to our listeners as you think about your business. Do not you you heard it here first. Don't be penny wise, pound foolish. Nothing is more important than and then investing in the engagement of your team. That's 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 a a good call to action. Ashik, I have a question. As I was taking notes, you mentioned belonging a second ago, and that is something obviously in HR we talk a lot about is like the sense of belonging, um, inclusivity, um, and you know one of the things that you know that I've heard recently there was a blog where people are you know saying. A lot of folks are talking about it, but are we genuinely creating an area where people can belong and be that authentic um, leader or employee or you know person at, at a company? What's your kind of thoughts and philosophy around kind of belonging, inclusivity, um, you know, in the workplace? From a leadership perspective, everything starts with leadership over here. From a leadership perspective. My fundamental kind of recommendation and, and my own kind of viewpoint into the world has been is that you, it starts with gratitude and authenticity. You're not going to have belonging if you, if, you're not, if you don't have the gratitude for being part of the place you are, okay? You as a leader, and then also similarly, the the members, the team members, okay? But that starts by the leader setting the tone. Thank you. Thank you for being part. Even if you're not happy right now, I just want to start by saying thank you, okay? That the fact that you have chosen, there's no shortage of employment opportunity for anybody in this world at the moment, okay? The fact that you've chosen to be part of my organization starts with gratitude, okay? And the second thing is being authentic. 
you being authentic about who you are and you accepting people for who they are. You're not, you're never gonna have like, you know, belonging or inclusivity in a business where people are asked to put a mask on to be somebody else that they are not, okay? And that comes from the fear of judgment, that comes the fear, comes from fear of, uh, uh, um, like, you know, uh, missing out on opportunities and things. If you, if, if there is, those things are there, you will never have people being authentic. And when you're not going to have people being authentic, you're not going to have, uh, they, they just naturally won't feel belonging in there. And then you're not going to have the culture of inclusivity in there. So uh, my recommendation actually has been, uh, you know, it starts with leadership and the leadership having gratitude and authenticity. And that's actually um, what I practice myself in there. I mean, so much, so much, so often the notion of leadership is like, you know, showing who is the boss in the room. That kind of notion just does not work. Okay. You're not going to have Maybe it would have worked in a in a different world, okay? Maybe it worked 50, 60 years ago, but no, it's a, it's a it's a it's it's, it's it's we are in a different world, and it's not those generational things and things, the millennials, the Gen Zs, and things, all these other things that get thrown around or not. But hey, we're we're all people. We're all people. Maybe we all have been brought up in different ways because of different generation. Uh, I mean our background, where we are born, where we have grown up, what our culture and thing. If you don't take the time to understand these things, okay, you'll never be, you'll never create that environment where people are, people are belonging. And when they're not there, when, when you don't feel like you belong, you're not just going to do your great job, greatest job over there. You will do what you would do, but you're not ever going to go the extra yard. I, I, I love I love the principles that you use to frame uh, every conversation, but the conversation here on belonging and inclusivity is to start with gratitude. Like that's that's a that's a powerful principle that you don't often hear to where, you know, no matter you know, no matter how you feel about this or that, but you're not going to be able to achieve that belonging or inclusivity unless you start from a place of gratitude like. That's a power, kind of really powerful principle. And then the authenticity, it's like, be true to who you are and who they are, but, you know, but do it through that lens of gratitude and trust. So I think really powerful, you know, kind of principle there. So let's maybe take uh, a couple, a couple minutes and let's talk about the future of, you know, of, of HR, HR tech, you know, workplaces, um, what do you see as, you know, are things or trends or gotchas that are on the horizon for us as an industry, for business owners that we should be, we should be thinking about? I used to talk a lot about this three years ago, Brad. <laughs> but I can guarantee you the world of remote work and how things are changing wasn't on the menu back then. Okay. That has completely changed because of COVID. Depending on your audience. Okay, like you know, whether they're employers of knowledge workers like you and I are, or whether they're employers of shift workers, okay, non knowledge workers, non desk workers, like maybe uh, our customers are many, or I mean, most of my customers are deputy, are uh, employers of shift workers. 
there's two answers to these questions. Okay, and you need to think very differently um, in terms of who you are, uh, because I don't think one advice applies to the other in there. Now, when it comes to the knowledge workers, okay, people are people want to do a great job, okay, and people actually want to grow. Now, growth comes in two forms, okay. Either there's career growth or personal growth. There's a lot of talk about career growth. I see a lot of companies spending a lot of time on that one, but not a lot of companies spending much time or anything like that on the personal growth side, okay? What, what are your hopes and dreams? And, and quite a lot of those hopes and dreams actually, I mean, candidates don't talk about it. And even when I talk to the people over here, uh, in even my own company, sometimes they actually don't have the clarity, but helping them craft that narrative in there about the personal growth is something that's super important for all organizations. That's why advice have been for the knowledge uh, worker world. When it comes to the non-knowledge worker, okay, the hourly worker, the shift workers uh, that deputy is so focused on, okay, we have a massive battle in our hand at the moment, okay, and I am on a crusade to right this wrong that has happened over the last few years. Brad, I presume you have taken lots of Uber rides. Next time you're on Uber, ask the Uber driver, what do you like about Uber? What do you think they will answer? Or if you have asked this question, what do you think they, they answer? I think they probably say flexibility. Bingo. That's the answer. I have taken over 19... 100 Uber rides that I've asked in every Uber ride. What is it? It's that. If I ask, so what's the second best thing about Uber? What do you think they answer? Um, as I've asked similar questions, and I don't, this is, this is more infrequent would be, I like to meet people, to connect with people. Yep, that has that that has come up. That has come up. Like you know, I like the music. I like this, that. <laughs> All sorts of different things, but. Actually, in many cases, there's actually no answer at all. Okay, people have to dig to find something in there. But that's the truth in there. And, and what, what is ending, ending up happening over here, a lot of people have gone for all these you know, gig work over here uh, where they're prioritizing flexibility, but they're missing. I mean, I ask, hey, do you think you're growing as a person? They're like, no. Is there somebody who is vested in your growth? No. Do you like the pay? Meh. Like, you know, there's all sorts of different things. So what's happening in the whole world of hourly paid workers at the moment is a lot of people are going and choosing all this gig work as opposed to actually belonging in a community, okay, belonging in a company where they can grow, they can add to the purpose of the company, and they can add to um, their own growth. And the reason they don't have that flexibility in the business they're in is because of bad scheduling practice. Sorry for the shameless plug, because that's the thing that deputy can solve, okay? You don't have to, I mean, scheduling is to be a zero-sum game of control, where if the manager had all the control, employees had no control. If employees had control, manager had no control. But in deputy, you can actually get the best of both worlds, where you can set up your shifts, set up as open, open shift, and people can come and claim the shift they want. So they get the flexibility of life, along with the business solving the problem of I need someone who's going to actually do the job in there. And you do get to be part of the community and you do get to have a manager and you do get to grow um, in there. And, you know, because businesses that haven't been on deputy and they've been like, you know, doing rostering in uh, Excel or pen and paper, some use some um, uh, antiquated 
uh, enterprise software. They claim to themselves to be AI powered, which is not. This is just all bullshit marketing. <laughs> and, but it just gives people their uh, scheduling when they, um, uh, without any kind of care for the needs and wants of the employees. That's where I see businesses actually are going backwards and we're doing a massive disservice to the society and economy. So I'm on a crusade. I like it. I like the passion. and But I do like the connection to where like we, we have created some of these environments that are separating our, our, ourselves from each other. And I like this notion of the business as the community and, and the, the investment in those relationships helps not only your career growth, but your personal growth and helps round that out. So I think it's a, a great crusade to be on. But Ashik, we're 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 out of time. I I, I want to just express my gratitude for you to come on and share some of those hard won lessons. The thing about life is those lessons that we pay the price to learn are the gems and the insights that we can give to others. And so I appreciate you bringing your experience, sharing that with the audience um, as you've um, as you've covered a lot of ground in your career. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Brad. It was fun, like, you know, uh, sparring with you about all, all these things. We're, we're, we're both aligned in our, uh, you know, passion and mission of how we can set businesses, our customers, up for success by making their people successful. So thank you for doing what you do and having me as well. Looking for ways to combat the great resignation and keep your very best people? Check out the 2022 Guide to Retention. You'll discover just how hard it is for organizations to retain employees in 2022, why people leave and learn what you can do to boost retention and minimize turnover in your organization. Find this guide and many more helpful resources at bamboohr.com resources and discover more ways you can do great work. That's bamboohr.com forward slash resources. You've been listening to The Era. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. Your feedback helps us make content that's valuable to you and your work. Thanks for listening. Until next time.